they say, well, it's pretty easy to get a, uh, get a brokerage authority. I know how to do it. So if I have 300 bucks and I and a, on a Visa gift card and I have access to it, the Internet and I can get some insurance company to insure a VIN number of a truck that's for sale on on eBay, I'm in business. Right. Because so yeah. they fill out their, their application for motor carrier safety authority through the measure for, through the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. They check the blocks. Are you US, are you a U.S. citizen? It's online. Sure. I am. <laughs> Do you own any other companies? Nah, nothing. And no one checks it. They put their address as a post office box in, you know, Missoula, Montana. Federal Motor doesn't check it. So now these guys are in business making a hell of a lot more than they were before. Welcome to the Think Freight Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Wardine. It's my pleasure to have Dale Prax, founder of Freight Validate, on today's show. Dale, welcome to the Think Freight Pro- uh, Podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks a lot for having me. I think that uh, I think what you're doing is fantastic, and I'm I'm really Thank really you. glad to be here with you. No, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. So um, we were talking a little bit off camera and got to got to know each other a little bit more. We've we've talked a few times. Um, would love to, you know, kind of dive into your background a little bit, learn about, you know, kind of how you got into uh, the wild west of freight. And then we'll talk a little bit more kind of about fraud and what's what's happening in today's marketplace. Sure. Uh, well, I, I spent about 20 years in the Marine Corps and the Marine Corps Reserve and my last five years in the Reserve. I, um, I started at a um, as a uh, freight forwarder, a small freight forwarding company in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, we were moving a lot of air freight. And at that time, I said, you know. We could be putting this stuff on trucks and make a lot more money. Uh, and the owner of that uh, franchise at that time said, no, I've been doing this for 20 years. That'll never work. <laughs> so the next day I moved to shipment, those, you know, I uh, was from Minneapolis to Chicago. We, they want the, the, the rate to fly at that time was a dollar a pound on Northwest airlines, the old Northwest airlines. Okay. Um, and so I decided at, you know, 5,000 pounds at a dollar a pound, I could, you know, that's 5,000 bucks. So I got yeah. a guy to move LTL for $300 to move it down there and showed him that it does work. He said, oh, that was just a fluke. I started my own company two days later. Wow. And okay. been doing expedited freight uh, for almost 30 years. That's that's pretty interesting. So ba- so, so you basically just decided that he, he just didn't want to do things you know, in a manner that was efficient, but also right. could make more profit. And you just decided, I'm going to hop into this and do it myself because this guy, right. he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. And uh, I, I can do things efficiently and make make money and save money for my customers. Yeah. It, it was the old days, awesome. the, you know, mid nineties that uh, people use that the worst sentence you can use in business is we've always done it this way. We'll never change. <laughs> Some dangerous yeah. words. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So I, I appreciate that, that, you know, that background. Now, you know, something you and I are both very passionate about is, is, is fighting, you know, freight fraud and double brokers. And I saw a statistic earlier this year. I, I think it was, I think it was from truck stop, uh, double brokering and fraud, um, you know, had been, had risen, I believe 400%, uh, year over year from 2022, uh, quarter four of 2022. And, um, you know, it's 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 not shocking in a market like this, right? It seems it seems like these kind of markets promote more fraud, but it seems like over the last three to four years in general, since it's like the start of the pandemic, 
Doha brokering has kind of really exploded to to kind of some some insane levels. Um, you know, why do you think that is, and what do you think is is going on in the in the market right now? Well, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's big business, and I I have a couple yeah. you know ideas you know why it may have started. Um, one of those is that I think that during the pandemic, uh, it was hard to hire people in the United States. It was extremely yeah. difficult to hire people in the United States, even after the pandemic was kind of closing down, because you know our government was paying people unemployment that was well above the national high. average, or even how much more they were getting that they were getting paid as a broker or a carrier or any other job. You know, yeah. so people were of the mindset that. I can make $50,000 a year sitting at home watching Scooby-Doo and playing games. Why would I go to work? So a lot of brokers, I think at that time, started hiring people near shoring and far shoring, Philippines and all these other places, you know, Eastern Europe, and started hiring people overseas. So, and that worked out well for them because they're paying less money for it. They got some really, I mean, there's some solid, good brokers overseas that yeah, do a absolutely. really good job. So the near shoring thing worked. Then the economy got better, you know, the, the uh, moving of freight, the price, the, everything was good. People made a right. lot of money during the, that period and weren't paying a lot for um, for their uh, their employees, right? The nearshoring employees. So you fast forward a little bit. We don't need those guys anymore because everything's kind of changing. People are going back to work, the right. hybrid deal, everything's changing. So now you've got guys in third world countries making $500 a week in some of the, you know, in Europe or wherever they are. And they're saying, we're out of work. Mm-hmm. So they say, well, it's pretty easy to get a, uh, get a brokerage authority. I know how to do it. So if I have 300 bucks and I and a, on a Visa gift card and I have access to the Internet and I can get some insurance company to insure a VIN number of a truck that's for sale on on eBay, I'm in business. Right. Because so yeah. they fill out their, their application for motor carrier safety authority through the motor for, through the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. They check the blocks. Are you a, are you a U.S. citizen? It's online. Sure I am. <laughs> Do you own any other companies? Nah, nothing. And no one checks it. They put their address as a post office box in, you know, Missoula, Montana. Federal Motor doesn't check it. So now these guys are in business making a hell of a lot more than they were before. And their buddies find out about it. They're saying this is a lucrative business. Let's all open a bunch of companies overseas and we'll, we'll be in the freight business. And I think that's a big part of it. That's one of the reasons. I think that when capacity shrinks, Mm-hmm. Um, people have to make more money and, you know, th- we're trying to find ways to save money. So we're just giving a, a carrier who says, I'll do it really cheap. You know, just give me some, uh, give me half the money up front and yep. we get fraud, right? Absolutely. So there's a lot of reasons that came into it. I think the, 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 the uh, one of the biggest reasons is that the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration doesn't have enough people to police itself. Uh, so they're, they're, they're violating their own laws by, you know, letting people in the system that are already in violation of the law, like right. uh, place of business, those kinds of things, which is against the application and the code of federal regulations. They're letting yeah. these people in every single day and because they get $300 a pop. So what's the, what's the reason to stop? Them? Yeah. So they're making money and they're also, like you said, they don't have enough people to really stop it. Right. I think the FMCSA has around like 1200 yeah, 1160 people or so. Yeah, so they, there's really not enough people to be able to 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 widespreadly be able to uh, um, address fraud or to really be able to uh, to go after a lot of these or audit a lot of these entities. But a right. lot, a lot of what you're saying is they're coming like this is this is a lot of these companies that are starting right now. So and you know a lot of things you touched we talked you talked about a lot there is the FMCSA not even following a lot of their own 
you know, uh, right. regulations and not being able to even cross um, check to see, you know, why are we why are we issuing um, broker authorities and carrier authorities to, a, you know, a U.S. Uh, a mail sorting complex or to right. a FedEx location or to or even worse to a post office box. Yeah, to a post That's office a federal box. building. You can't get a list yeah. of all the P.O. boxes and, and federal post office boxes in the United States. You could get an right. API that does that, that says, okay, yeah. the application comes in. Oh, they're a post office box. Hey, Mr. <laughs> applicant, you signed block 39, or I think it's 39, that says you're not going to work out of a post office box. We won't approve you if you do. But every day they approve about six to 60, you know, of those. Yeah. We've, we've built, we even built a, um, a robot, a robotic process automation that we get a list every day of all the, the people that have been approved by Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. They go to the Federal Register and they have to wait for a 10-day pro protest period, right? Right. And then, they're, then they get issued their certificate. Every day I get a list at 7.15 every morning, a list of all the people that have been approved, put on the Federal Register, entering the 10-day protest period. I have a robot that reads that spreadsheet, looks to see if they're at a post office box, a staple store, a virtual office, a Regis, Regis office, uh, you know, FedEx, any of those places, PostNet, any of those places, the robot reads that, identifies them, goes to my printer and prints out a letter to Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, says, I want to protest these guys. Because you can't do it by email, you have to do it by mail. By or mail, yeah. Every morning I send out between 20 and 30 letters to Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration saying, I want to protest it because the guy's in violation of 49 CFR Part 390.5T, your law. He shouldn't get his authority. I've been doing that now for three and a half weeks. I've sent a couple hundred letters in. Yeah. How many of those do you think that they came back and said, okay, we're not going to give them their authority? Uh, I'm I'll give sure. you a hint. Zero. Yeah, that's exactly They what approved I was every single one of them. And I, the only response I got back was, hey, before we can do this, we need a copy of the, we need verification that you sent a letter to the applicant. Why am I sending a letter to the applicant to protest? It's not your responsibility. And that's all I've heard. And I asked them, I asked them that question. Why am I sending the letter? And they didn't, uh, they've never responded to that, that, but I keep sending letters every day. I have a stack of them. That's extremely interesting. And, you know, I've, I've known about the 10 day, the 10 day probation period for a while. And, and you know, the, the protest period and it, how, how long did it take you to build something like that? Uh, a day and a half. So, I mean, you know, the government has plenty of resources at their, their, <laughs> yes. their hands. I think if, I think if you can do it in a day and a half that they, they could be able to do it in, you know, a couple of months. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's, it's just really, it, it's kind of mind boggling, you know, st that they, I, I understand from a perspective, like they don't have enough people, blah, 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 yeah. but it, there's a lot of things that, you could, that they, yeah, exactly. But they could be utilizing technology and, and things that they are already at their their fingertips to be able to, to look at these and say, okay, well, how can we at least try to, to curb this? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's 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 very that's very interesting. And, you know, I understand with with eleven hundred and sixty employees, they can't really yeah. help us that much, right? But they got to stop hurting us. They got to stop dumping these guys into an already turn the fire hose off. Why yeah. do we have to approve approve anybody Everyone. in ten days? Make it like ninety days. Make it one hundred and twenty mm -hmm. days. You know, yeah, it's just um, it's just they're, they're just shoving more and more bad guys into the pipeline. And a lot uh, of these, you know, you've shared a lot of content online, especially on LinkedIn, where a lot of these, you know, companies, you're seeing them register with 
you know, 15 companies with the exact same email address. Yeah. That's, 365 you know, in Signal Hill. Uh, and, and it's a virtual office. So I, I was, um, <laughs> I was quoted in the wall street journal, uh, in an article that, and, and overdrive magazine that addressed that there yeah. are three, over 360 in a 200 square foot building. I mean, I don't care how many suites you list They aren't fitting in there. I mean, no, this isn't a clown car. Yeah. That's so, absolutely absurd. And, and the funny thing is their email address for all those guys at that registered agent office, their <laughs> email address was kind of funny. It's WTF FMSCA at AOL.com. Like what the, you know, like, it's like a play with them. Like you really yeah. are letting me in you idiots. Yeah. That's really, that's, I, I saw that email address and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of lived rent free in my head for a while. Cause I, I, it, it's, it's been that like play, like what you said, it's like, they're basically calling out the FMCSA while saying, "Hey, we're going to register uh, 300 plus uh, uh, companies with this with this you know email in this bogus office in in California." Um, yeah, that's that's really that's it's just it's just insane to me that like nothing has been really addressed and nothing seems like it's going to be addressed. Something else you, you mentioned is these guys being able to register and ensure like ebay trucks tr trash trucks you know uh christopher allen tim tim uh tim uh bannon talks about it a lot he's posted a lot about this as well is you know trucks that that we're finding is these are crashed trucks or trucks that aren't even on the road how yeah. is this getting passed like insurance companies and things like that because they're just like there are bad guys in every every business has bad guys right yeah absolutely even insurance companies so imagine your insurance company and your buddy comes up to you and says, hey, I need you to insure me. Okay, your premium is going to be $1,000 a month for insurance on this truck. Hey, I got to tell you, it's not really a truck. I mean, I'll give you 20 grand for the year. Just insure me. Okay, give me a VIN number. Because the insured guy, whether it's agents or the insurance company, I don't know, mm -hmm. I'm not sure which one's the most crooked, but they're saying, okay, let me think about this. The guy gives me 20 grand. There'll never, ever be a claim against that insurance policy because it's never going to be on a truck. Yeah. There'll never be a cargo claim because he's never going to haul it. Yep. So it's a totally a profit thing. You get 20 kind of those. Win -win for them. You're making all kinds of money. So why would a bad guy not do it? Just like the bad guy wouldn't broker the freight, you know? So and then you throw in a factoring company along with it who doesn't follow the, the rules of the, uh, the banking institution because factoring companies aren't regulated. So, I mean, they have to follow most of the laws of, of banking, but they'll let bad guys on. They do it every day. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it's it's been it's been very interesting to see how it's evolved, not just from double broker from the double broker like setting up carrier broker authorities, but now we're seeing it in TMSs with insurance companies, with factoring companies. Did you did you happen to catch I don't know you know how in tune you are to some of these things, but there was a, a TikTok that kind of went live or viral. Um, in the in the brokering community uh, earlier this week, it was shared by Freight Caviar um, and, and Michael Lombard uh, had, had called out this this TikToker G Face did it, um, and he was talking about how he is how he double brokers phrases. Hell yeah, I double broker. Yeah, and and That's did hot. you see that? Yes, absolutely. And, and it, he, like he's proud of it. He, I'm making all kinds of money. Yeah. But they all are. And you know the sad part yeah. about it? There's some double brokers out there. I've been doing this for 30 years. There's some double brokers yeah. out there that are scandalous that are better than I am at it. Yeah. No, I believe that. It's, and, it's, yeah, and there's, there's plenty of guys. We, we, we were at a TIA, TIA conference in Orlando, 
and they they had yeah. a, a, a seminar about uh, about double brokering. And you know, there's guys that you know you catch them and they say, you know, I'm going to turn you off, and they they'll right right away just say, go ahead, I got 235 more MC numbers that you don't know about. Yep. Yeah. You no, know, I've the seen. Bad part I've for them them. now is that we do know about them. You know, we yeah. we track it every single day. We know who the bad guys are, and you know, thank goodness that that we have uh, companies like you know, like Highway, Carrier Sure, My Carrier Packets, you know, Chris Allen doing his thing, our deal with yep. uh, Freight Validate. All these companies are great and they all do a, a really good job. So we've got to just, you know, perhaps maybe work. We're doing, all these companies are doing the work of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, right? They should yep. be validating who the carriers are. I, I'm really tired of hearing about the, the uh, broker that gets in a, in a nuclear uh uh, verdict because they didn't mm-hmm. check the carrier. Well, yeah. they aren't the, my company, uh, my brokerage company is direct expedite, not the direct expedite safety administration. My, right. my job exactly. is booking freight. If, if the federal motor carrier safety administration says that that truck is good to go, or that carrier is good to go and this, he's safe. I should yeah, be able to understand that and, and, and be saying, okay, that's okay. So why am I the one that's yeah. as a broker held responsible for something that they're saying is an okay driver. If he's not an okay driver, I shouldn't even have access to him because you should put him out of service. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, something we were talking about off, off the uh, podcast is, you know, um, you know, something I wanted to ask you about on here was, have you, have you experienced um, with your brokerage? Have you had any loads that, you know, you've found that you guys, um, you know, have been in a situation of double brokering or have, you know, been scammed in that, in that yeah. way or had any phishing attempts like that? You know, since I started Freight Validate three months ago, um, I started it because we were scammed. It was a, it wasn't a, a traditional double broker deal. It was okay. a uh, uh, identity theft kind of thing, and yeah. that's what really drove me to start this thing. Um, but in thirty, now that I know more about it, because I'm digging more into the mind of a fraudster, I'll right. tell you that anybody that's been brokering for more than a year has been double brokered. Whether it's been Absolutely. a fraudulent, steal their money kind of double brokering activity, they've been double brokered. Um, so, um, yes, I have been once in 30 years a scam where I had to, where I lost money on it. Um, but everybody's been double brokered and we're, we're catching those guys more and more. So, um, but yes, I, I have. And that's probably what drove me more into this thing to um, really get to the to the bottom of it. Um, I was I, I used some other companies that you know, try and have red flags against double brokering. And a lot of those yeah. take, uh, a lot of companies are really trying to do a good job, but they take data from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration to determine if the guy's a good right. carrier or not. But that information is only as good as the criminal put into the in, into the application. Yeah, exactly. So we just decided out. that we have to follow the money, you know. So mm-hmm. Federal Motor's not checking on these guys. We do things like, um, does the guy, is the guy incorporated? Okay. Where is he incorporated? Is that corporation um, has been been dissolved? Because every criminal has to be kind of underwritten by a bank to get a bank account to put the stolen money in. So if you follow the money, you find out who the guy actually is, and then you uh, say, okay, this guy's good or bad. Is he working out of a post office? Because, you know, I get a lot of flack because I tell, we have people that are good guys that come in and say, well, I don't want to list my, um, my home address where I work because I don't want people knowing where, I, where I'm working out of, right? So I use a virtual yeah. address. And there's a lot of really good guys that are really good carriers, very honest, very ethical, that maybe use a virtual office. Yeah. So my argument to that is 
Number one, it's illegal. So just don't do it. Change the address because I can't change the platform. You have to talk to your your uh, senator to change the law. The law is the law. Yeah. Um, the second thing is that if you're using a virtual address as a good guy, there are probably five other bad guys that are using that same address because it's a FedEx building or it's a UPS store. Exactly. Now, when someone pulls them up and sees that you're affiliated with them, even though you're not, you're working out of the same address. So yeah. a good it's guy flat. broker is going to think like, oh, they must be affiliated. I'm not going to use those guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's a newsflash. You don't want to list your home address. Google will tell them what your home address is. Right. Don't worry. It's someone will find out. Someone can find it. It's always all that information is easily accessible. So, yeah. So fraud, fraud starts with fraud. If the guy's going to lie in his application about where he works, um, then he's going to lie about something else down the road. You know, so... Um, and I'm not saying that just because you have a, a virtual office, you're a bad guy. But I will tell you, 99% of the bad guys have a virtual address. Yeah, absolutely. Now, to touch on a little bit more about Freight Validate, um, you know, where can people, you know, what's the website? How can people find it? How can they sign up? And, um, you know, like, uh, do you guys charge, uh, you know, yeah. for, for the brokers and carriers? Like, tell us a little bit more about that side. Yeah, we, we started the program. We, we, we haven't charged a dime to, to, uh, to use Freight Validate. Um, yeah. I put a lot of my personal money into it because I came into this not being a guy that wants to make a buck. I want to be a guy that makes a difference. I want to be a guy that says, we're going to really go after these guys and find the fraud. So initially, we started off with like anybody could use it, no matter where they come from. They just go in there and type in an MC number and they'll get the information. We were finding that bad guys were trying to use it to go after good guys. So we put a uh, put a you know put a registration. You have to register now. You have to be approved to go into it. Uh, and the sad part about that, we've you know we have three thousand people that have used the system. Mm-hmm. We have I don't know today's maybe a thousand people that are registered for it, but. Last week, when I really started putting this thing out there about registering, um, six out of 10 people that have tried to register for the system were bad guys. Wow. They, um, they would say in, their, in, you know, in the registration, where are you? Houston, Texas. Well, that's really weird because we looked at your IP address and you're in um, Macedonia or Armenia or some other country. Then I call them on the because we check everybody. You know, if you come into our system, we're going to check you. I'm going to call you or email you or something. So I call the guy and, you know, he says his name is Sam and he's in Houston. I said, are you standing in Houston right now? Yes. Well, why does your IP address say that you're in Armenia? Uh, well, I'm just on vacation. Well, I just asked you where you were. Another example is a guy uh, said that he was in Deer Park, uh, New York. I happened to be in Brooklyn that day, which is only about 12 miles away. I said, so you're at this address, right? It's an office building. And you're in there with your partner company, which is a bro- uh, a trucking company, right? Yes, I'm here. Okay, I'm going to come and visit you. I drove over there. It's some guy's house. There was nobody around. I haven't heard from that guy since. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. It, it pains me more and more um, to see it happen because it's you know, and and to there's a lot you know there's a lot of ways to even get around like being able to ban IPs, right? Like you can use, you can use, uh, IP VPN. uh, VPNs. Yeah. We, and we have like that. We have access to that too. We we have guys that, uh, you know, they say they're in Oklahoma. We pull up their IP address. We have enough sophisticated technology. We can say that's a VPN owned by this company, which is in India or wherever it is. And I forgot to mention our website is www.freightvalidate.com. Uh, that's where you can go to register and, and find out your information. We are working on some platforms, though, that's going to be really kind of revolutionary. Um, 
And I, I don't want to put too much into it because I don't want a whole lot of people copying us at this point. Um, no, absolutely. There's, there's some know your customer stuff that we're using that's going to really pinpoint how many companies this guy owns, how many he has owned, what's his criminal record like, what is uh, is he in the middle of a lawsuit with anybody else on a double brokering scam? Has he filed bankruptcy recently? Is he in the middle of an active bankruptcy? Oh, All those God. kind of things matter, you know, and those are things that are outside of the, the Federal Motor Carrier uh, red flag thing to look for double brokers. So we're looking at everything we can for fraud to find out the bad guys, and we're using every tool we can. We won't stop at all, but we're going to put a dent in it. You know, and the whole thing is that I get too many calls from people that say, I should have used your system yesterday because I was double brokered today. Yeah. Well, you know, or I used your system, but the guy was so cheap. Come <laughs> on. My shit's free. Right. Exactly. Uh, no, it's that's wild. Where can everyone find uh, find you on why? Where can they find you on LinkedIn? Are you on, on Twitter or uh, any other platforms? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't really go to any other platforms. Uh, okay. I, I did start a, um, I did start a group called FreightClub.us. Yeah. There's also an app on Google and on uh, on uh, Apple. Uh, that's it's it's much like a social media platform for logistics professionals. You have to be vetted to come into it. You have to be validated. That's where I may list some scams that are going on because I don't want to put them on LinkedIn because the bad yeah. guys will capitalize on that. So we have several people that have signed up for uh, FreightClub.us where we'll put some information in there that we don't want really. I mean, will it eventually get leaked out? Sure. Yeah. Because there are bad guys. Um, but we it's some good ideas, some good red flags, some good resources, things like that for people to join it. And it's only for logistics professionals. If, and if you're not a freight validated, validated carrier, you can't get into the system. And so my goal is eventually that every shipper, broker and carrier, because our system's open for carriers to look at brokers, brokers look at carriers, shippers to look, you know, everybody look at everybody's information. And I, I want to some days have, you know, the shippers say to their broker, are you freight validated? Yes, I am. Do you use freight validated uh, carriers? Yes, I do. If you don't, then I'm not using you. Yeah, I think that's definitely a great thing to strive for, Dale. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. We'll definitely have to have you come back on once once that new uh, once the new product is released. And uh, if you guys you know don't follow Dale, make sure you guys do. Puts a lot of good content on LinkedIn. Uh, check him out, freightvalidate.com, freightclub.us. All the links will be down in the description below. And then don't forget to check out our uh, weekly newsletter, Monday and Wednesday. Our freight newsletter is out in between 7 and 8 a.m. Central Time. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks, Dale, for coming on. Hey, thank you very much. I really appreciate it.